You're listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, brought to you by the Raven Creek Social Club, where we talk about faith and other oddities. For questions, comments, or to be part of the conversation, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC. Now for your hosts, Emily Dixon and Nathan Underwood. So anyone looking forward to any kind of reports about um, what kind of meal Emily had will probably be disappointed um, as my youngest child is ill. So we we just found out after recording the last episode, uh, my wife informed me that she's carrying a fever. So uh, rather than make the babysitter sick, we're going to... Um, just make me sick. <laughs> well, we didn't know she wasn't sick. You know, if, if she'd been sick before you got here, we'd have told you to stay away. Because that's what happened last weekend, actually. Yeah. It's a little too late now, so. Yeah. So pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the rest of the family. Yeah. Kids, I, I forget what little germ factories they are when I'm not with them all the time. And thankfully, I'm not with them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. But, you know, you, you love them anyway for some reason, even though they're. It's because they're cute. Little Petri dishes. And, and your child is, is cute. My child is very cute, and uh, well, both, both of them. But both of them are very cute, right. and well, it's like last night I told her not to stand on the the cushions, and uh, she didn't think that was kind of me to tell her not to stand on the cushions that were stacked on top of each other and wobbling. Right. And then I said, you know, you you've got to listen to me, especially when I'm doing you something, telling you to do something your dad has already told you to do or not to do. And she goes, "You heard him, ah." Oh. And I mean, just, she's too young to talk like that. Oh, she's, she's sharp for her age. She's got a really interesting command of, of, I would say language, but she doesn't have all of her, she, she still doesn't get some of her, her syllables correct, but her tone mm-hmm. and inflections are just ridiculous. She's, she's pretty funny. The other day we walked into, uh, to daycare and the teacher was, uh, you know, she, she, the, my daughter growled and said, I'm a dinosaur. And the teacher goes, oh, that's great. Cause we're today, we're doing D is for dinosaur. And my daughter just goes, uh-huh. Like, yeah. like, yeah. Tell me something I didn't know. Of course D is for dinosaur. <laughs> Who doesn't know D is for dinosaur? Yeah. They, they so. keep you on your toes and the two of them. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The, the problem is I have two very smart daughters. That's- um, what so, I used to tell people, you know, I used to pray for smart kids and then God made them smarter than me. That's just not fair. Yeah. Yeah. You've got smart kids too. And so it's, it's its own kind of challenge. I, I love them to death, but man, when they get something in their head then and, and they're strong willed too, that's the other part of it. Oh yeah. That they're, they don't back down, but, but we're, we're working on that all with grace and love and as much patience as we can put together. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but you know, hey, I miss a meal, but I get to go out on that other glamorous outing you promised me. Yeah, well, yeah, we we might go microwave shopping later, but that's a whole other deal. I was I was <laughs> just thinking, you know, speaking of raising children, at least I don't have twelve. Um, uh, this is true, but you so, also don't have four wives. Well, that's um, <laughs> well, I I don't have, I don't get the guys who want a whole bunch of wives. I've got one wife and. I'm busy enough as it is. I I personally think it's a great thing that went out of vogue, Uh, which, by the way, most people don't realize it. But by the time that Jesus was alive, uh, the rabbis had pretty much ruled that having one wife was far more virtuous than having multiple wives. Hmm. And so this was already falling out of practice in Judaism by that point. And it was based primarily on um, Song of Songs and on the writings of the prophets randomness right there for you okay so maybe we'll hit more on that later but oh yeah you know, that's that's kind of interesting but yeah i yeah well i had a, had a i don't know if i've mentioned it on the show before but i have a friend who had a refrigerator magnet that said in biblical times men could have as many wives as they could afford just like today <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was kind of fun <laughs> yeah i yeah I won't go there because there's so many ways women can exact a price. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. So 
So anyway, yeah, if, uh, and I, I do want to put, uh, I want to let, uh, I don't want to put off any of our YouTube listeners. I'm just like, you know, it's cold where we're recording, um, because this room does have a mind of its own. So I'm sitting here with my arms crossed, not because I didn't I'm upset. make you mad. <laughs> yeah. No one's made me mad. I'm just a little cold. No, it, it really is. It's like we went to lunch and then we came back and it's like, who messed with the thermostat? Yeah. And I'm wearing a sweater and wool socks. Pink wool socks. They are not pink. They look pink to me. Well, it's because you're nearsighted. They're actually, they're <laughs> white. They're white with red. And so they kind of look pink from a distance. So they optically blend. Uh, but not if you are closer to them. So I'm not getting that close to your feet. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying you have to, but I'm just saying they're red and white. Okay, if you say so. But not lightish red, because that already has a name. <laughs> what was pink. that from? Uh, that was uh, that was red versus blue. <laughs> okay, I was like, that's from something. Man, random, uh, you know, random uh, quotations that you never know what you're going to get here. But so we left Jacob. Uh, he just had the encounter, his first encounter with God at Bethel, and um, we don't know what color his socks were. Probably didn't have any. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Probably Biblical. didn't need any. <laughs> probably, well, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. I Deserts guess... get cold at night. That's true. But he was probably under a blanket or something. One would hope. And see, these are the sorts of details that, that I wonder about what was going on. But, you know. Evidently, it wasn't important. Ancient, ancient footwear. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has something on it. Well, you, okay. Speaking of ancient footwear, you know the story in Ruth with Boaz and Boaz takes off the sandal. Or the, yeah. it, it, I've always wondered... Did, when they do that sort of ceremony, does the guy get a sandal back? Nobody has ever been able to do, answer that question. Do you question. get it back later? Do you, do you, does someone have a replacement sandal? Do you swap sandals? Do, do you, you run around with mismatched sandals? Do you just give him your other sandal because you don't need one? You don't I don't want to walk in a circle. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and this is the reason why we see things in the Bible that sometimes people miss because we do go to those ridiculous places, but reining it back in. He has uh, left Bethel. Uh, he's made his vows with God. God said he's going to bring him back safely. Jacob has either questioned God's intention or has agreed to walk in faith based on God's statement. Like we said last week, that's going to depend on how you read it, because mm -hmm. we don't have the inflection and we don't have the, the same punctuation in Hebrew that we do with, um, with English. And Jacob is heading to the house of Laban. Yeah. He's heading east. Heading east in the Bible is always kind of a dicey proposition because most people who head to the east don't come back. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny because in, in more like European lore, the west is where people don't come back from. And that's, that's the, uh, the way of death. And, uh, that, and that, that partly comes from, uh, number one, you know, just kind of the sea being a chaos type mm -hmm. uh, symbol. Uh, to the ancients, but then that was also reinforced, especially after the uh, disclosure of America, um, that the great European disclosure of America, not the discovery, uh, but anyway. Okay. Government uh, conspiracies existed back then. But, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm not saying conspiratorially, I'm just saying that it was disclosed to Europe. Right. By whoever. It could, you know, it, it, that, that's a whole nother topic for another show that's not ours. Um, but the, you know, with people migrating West, um, they were likely to never be seen again. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes they were treated just kind of basically like they were dead. Um, so West is more. Well, then you've got the sun dies every night in most, uh, ancient, uh, mythologies, creation stories, especially right. Egyptian. Um, uh, and so, and the sun sets in the West. So yeah, death in the West were very much, uh, tied together. But in, uh, in the Bible, basically anytime you go away from Jerusalem, mm -hmm. you're, you're in trouble. Um, you, you aren't leaving that area voluntarily. I mean, there are exceptions, but that's kind of an overarching principle that uh, you, you want to stay in that area because that's where God is. Right. And that, that's important. So Jacob uh, gets to Laban's house and he shows up at a well and as I said last week, if you want to meet your future spouse in the Bible, you just go hang out at the well because there's always going to be somebody around there. There's but, a, 
There was a like a little coffee shop here in Norman called Jacob's Well, and it's a college town. I wonder if there's anything to that. That's where people... Uh... Could be. I mean, that's... little hope. I don't know. But, uh... but when Jacob arrives, I think the first thing that kind of stands out is when, when they get there, there's a stone over the well. And Jacob evidently knows something about herding sheep and he just kind of he's like basically why aren't y'all watering the sheep and getting them out to pasture right he's very much you're burning daylight here and he he just takes over i mean this is a stranger who walks into a brand new situation and he doesn't no buy your leave no niceties just you people are idiots you need to be at work Mm -hmm. and that's totally counter to isaac you know, we talked about how, how Isaac, most things happened to him. And he just kind of, oh, so this is what we're doing today. And I think what you're reading out of the, your um, Jewish study Bible, and it's like Isaac is sometimes even comical in yeah. his passivity. Yeah, and, and yeah, they definitely talk about that a little bit. It's really funny, though, because basically when, when I looked at the commentary in the Jewish study Bible, it's basically what you said. There's really not much to say about him, although he's pretty ridiculous in in the way he doesn't get things done. Right. He he's but at the same time he's the he's the one who he doesn't make a lot of mistakes either. So there's something to be said for that. So But he did make one big one. Uh Jacob for Esau? Yeah. Yeah. Although and, to be fair, he was fooled, but still pretty big mistake. Very very manipulated there. And so and this is the reason why Jacob's on the run and going to Laban's house because he he's Esau is going to be mad, and Rebecca was scared that Esau might actually kill Jacob. Right. And she knew that she'd already severed that relationship with Esau in being involved in the deception. And so she she was doing her best to save the only son that she still had a relationship with. Right. And But when Jacob sees Rachel approaching, he he grabs her up and he kisses her. And at this point, it's still a cousinly kiss. It's, I'm just happy to see you. This is, you're my cousin. You're, you're part of the family. I found where I'm going. It, I, I know we don't kiss our cousins, nope. but yeah. And, oh, well, we won't make that joke. Uh, <laughs> so, but here's the question with, with Jacob. When he sees Rachel, because you got to remember who Jacob is, Jacob is all about getting ahead. He's about making sure that he's got a chance to, to do the, uh, you know, gain the, have the most to gain out of a situation. So when he sees Rachel, what is he seeing in her? Because she walks up, she's got a flock of sheep. She's the only woman in the Bible who's identified as a shepherdess. Right. We have other women who, who might herd sheep. I mean, we've got... Um, Moses' wife. Mm-hmm. And we know that she was herding the sheep, but she's not specifically called a shepherdess. And this is going to be important later on in some stuff that, that I have got dug up for us. But think about her name. Rachel. Okay. I, I... Rachel means, means you. Oh, does it? It, it means okay. sheep. So the and qu- Leah means cow. Leah means cow. Which is kind of funny. And so the question here is, is Jacob seeing Rachel as a person? Or is he seeing her as a business opportunity? Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, if he is, he wouldn't be out of step with anyone else in the ancient world, really. Well, or at least most other people. Yeah, because that's what wives represented. They, they were either business deals, they were peace treaties, they were trade routes. That, that's what women served. Because the idea was, if you have a woman in your enemy's camp, then they're gonna, you're going to do your best to keep peace with each other. Mm-hmm. To protect her life, that she would be cared about enough, either by that the enemy mm-hmm. or by you, that that y'all would not violate the peace. So, and as soon as Jacob sees Rachel, evidently uh, he he was smitten with her um, quite quickly, and whether that was for her as a person or her as a business opportunity, he he pretty much decides she's the one he wants. Right. And that leads to the very interesting story of Rachel and Leah. And sorry, my. Uh... What? Yeah, I had one of those. It, my... So, uh, yeah, the 
so Rachel and Leah, so uh, Laban, uh, uh, sorry, Jacob shows up, uh, hangs out at Laban's place for about a month. Um, Laban, uh, it's kind of funny the way it's worded, um, at least in the ESV. Um, you know, he's been working for, he's been stayed with him for a month, and he says, um, because you are my kinsman, should you therefore uh, serve me for nothing? Tell me what your wages shall be. And so basically, you know, Laban was at least doing well enough to say, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you're going to be here and you're going to work, I, I can't expect you to just, you know, because I'm guessing Jacob was probably helping out during the month that he was there. And so. Well, he set the tone for that when he walked up to that well and says, you're burning daylight. Yeah. And so, and so Laban uh, was basically saying, you know, uh, you're doing a good job, but if you're going to be here, I have to pay you something because just. It's wrong of me to to take advantage of the fact that we're cousins. Which is really kind of interesting when you consider that this is Laban who's saying it. Right. Because he is a, he's a snake oil salesman, right right down the line. And so he, and Jacob, of course, names his price, which is Rachel. Yeah. And then at the last minute, Laban slips Leah into the wedding tent and Jacob spends the night with her, so now they are married. Right. Because in the ancient world, it wasn't so much the ceremony that constituted marriage. It was the consummation right. that constituted marriage. And this is kind of um, Jacob, what Jacob has sown has coming back to bite him in the butt because he has, he tricked Isaac because mm-hmm. Isaac couldn't see. And now when Jacob can't see in the darkness, Laban tricks him. And this is going to set the tone for their entire relationship. The, the two of them, they're very similar at this point. Right. And we'll get into how that works. But I think what most of us miss, I think I was kind of always taught that um, he served seven years, married Rachel, and I married Leah, mm-hmm. and then had to serve another seven years for Rachel with kind of the implication being that Seven years later, he married Rachel. Right. In reality, it was just a week. And he, you know, one week married Leah, the next week he marries Rachel. And I have always just thought, man, what was Leah thinking? What a terrible insult. I, I mean, <laughs> that, that, yeah, one week later. Yeah. And now, and now it's the, uh, now, but then he does work the another, another he seven years after that. After, uh, marrying mm-hmm. uh, Rachel. Yeah, I'm just, and I think that's where kind of that imaginative reading comes in, where trying to think of being Leah in that week because now it's not about celebrating her marriage to Jacob. It really is about the anticipation for Jacob. I mean, he's he's stopped looking at her. He is now focused mm-hmm. on Rachel, and so instead of being able to enjoy her new husband, she knows her new husband's anticipating getting the bride he wants. Right. And what a miserable situation. And this kind of explains some of her actions as we move forward. And this is also part of the reason why in the Torah, it's forbidden for a man to marry sisters. Okay. Yeah. So you could have multiple wives in the Torah, but not sisters, because there's a recognition that this caused so much pain. (laughs) Caused a lot of problems. (laughs) Exactly. And... I think one of the, the things that we talked about in a previous episode was that word hated. You know, and when we talked about it in the context of Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, it specifically says here in, this is uh, Genesis 29, 31, and the Lord saw, uh, my version says unloved. What, what does yours say? Uh, it says it saw that Leah was hated. It's, it has that here in the, in the text. And now... At the same time, it says that she's hated, mm-hmm. but she has a whole lot of kids listed right after this. So Jacob obviously was not completely ignoring her. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that's a very polite way to put it. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing. It's not that she's hated in the way we define hated. Right. It, she, she's just not loved as much as Rachel is loved. And... um. It says that because... Well, see, and of course, I read through this earlier, and, and I'm sorry, I, okay. I, when, when I read through this earlier, I was actually thinking of it as in that uh, Leah was giving her, or that 
Rachel was giving Leah strife more than more than anything about uh, Jacob and her relationship. So, there but is, I can definitely see your reading as well. Well, and there is some of that, but at the same time, you got to keep in mind that when Jacob gets ready to pull up, um, you know, stakes and move, that Rachel and Leah are working together, right? And so, and they even. They have the kind of relationship later on. Uh, they're going to negotiate for Jacob's time and attention. Okay. And so they, they are able to at least work out something where both of them can kind of get what they want. Right. And they, they aren't completely giving each other the cold shoulder like, you know, women tend to do whenever we get angry. It's just forget that you're even alive. So. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, a, it's just a weird situation to me. Uh, that that everyone's like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, it, you know, I think this has something to do with the emphasis that we've placed on sex and love mm-hmm. and sex and love being synonymous. And marriages really were utilitarian at this right. point. The, the idea of romantic love, that's really not going to come along until what? Uh, Richard the uh, Lionheart and, you know, the... Their their mother is kind of considered to have been uh, the first woman to marry for love. Okay. As far as uh, historically, now we know we've got. I've never Roman. researched that, but it's so. a Cahill thing. I'm surprised you didn't know that. Well, I'm I'm sorry I haven't read ev- everything Cahill's done. Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, so there there's this 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 um this reasoning that that God has seen, and that's very specific. God saw that Leah was unloved or Leah was hated. He he sees her. And we're back to that vision uh, aspect of Jacob's story again. Right. And she has a son. His old, her oldest son's name is Reuben. Mm-hmm. And uh, his name, the text say, I kind of try to read around the microphone. Uh, it says, the, son has, the Lord has seen my affliction. And affliction there, uh, that word typically has a sexual connotation to it and the idea of sexual abuse. It's the word that's used in, um, with Dina whenever she's raped, that's Jacob's daughter and that'll happen later. Okay. It's the word with, uh, in judges, the Levite and the concubine. Yeah. That's the same word. Um, Tamar and Amnon, uh, David's daughter and son. Right. Also, um, same word in Exodus one. And we've talked about that with the, the women, uh, being kept alive by Pharaoh. Right. Same word. And so this has led to the idea that God saw that Jacob was basically neglecting her and that he was not fulfilling his duties as a husband. It is interesting. Uh, in this, you have the reversal here. If he's like not fulfilling his duties as a husband, he's neglecting. Mm-hmm. And it's so, and that would be, I guess the rabbis probably thought that had something to do with having, that needing to do your duty as a husband. Yes, um, every Sabbath. Right. And, and there's actually, um, depending on what your job description is, it, it's broken down that, you know, I think it's a camel driver only has to have sex with his wife once a week. Uh, if you have a merchant, then it's like twice a week. And if you're a scholar, it's, it's five or six times a week. It, it's basically according to how much demand does the job put on your body? Are you right. going to have the energy to do so? And, and but the idea that every woman was deserve, deserved attention at least once a week in this area was part of the law. It was part of honoring the marriage. Right. And so I thought it was very interesting that they would care so much to even include that, that aspect in the governing of the people. Right. And, and then, of course, you know, the, in Western society, we have it all backwards that, you know, oh, well, the, the wife should be the one to make sure she's taking care of the husband. And in this one, it's the, in the, this context, then when you're looking at the ancient context, the rabbinic context, is the husband should take care of the wife. So, and I think we've touched on that before. Well, you know, if you've got multiple wives, I can see where one might get neglected. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, but, but Leah, I mean, she's, she's really having a hard time here. But what's interesting, the names of her children kind of reveal this progression she's going through. Mm-hmm. Because God has seen her, that that's Reuben's name, and then after Reuben, she has Simon. God has heard her, mm-hmm. and um, 
she has um she's not abused anymore and and so she's she's seeing where god is stepping in on her behalf but she's still got her eyes on her husband because levi his name is means my husband will join me he will be attached to me you know i've had him three sons so now he has no reason to be attached to my sister basically is what it boils down to but it's it's kind of a hope for the marriage that she still has this chance that her marriage is what's going to bring her happiness right and but at the by the end of it, her last, not by the end of it, but by this cycle, the, um, the last child born is Judah. And his name means, this time I will praise the Lord. And she's now moving away from her hope being in Jacob doing the right thing. And she's, her hopes in God doing the right thing. Is it, is it necessarily that? I mean, like I said, I skimmed this earlier, so I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to read as deeply on this. I kept. <laughs> it's. I've been doing a lot of technical stuff all week, so. Um, so at this point, um, you know, Rachel saw that her sister's uh, doing mar- uh giving children, doing marriage. <laughs> Same difference. Giving children, <laughs> having children. Oh my goodness. Um, so I'm just kind of curious. So then, you know, is is at this point, is it possible? that maybe there is some distance, like you said, because if he might have seen Rachel as like kind of a business opportunity, part of that in this this marriage relationship at the time would be assumed that there would be children to help Mm -hmm. work the business. Mm -hmm. Um, So is it possible that as the progression of names, is she seeing Jacob move farther from Rachel more towards her because she's giving children? I I think there's some of that aspect. Having children. <laughs> I think there's some of that aspect in there too. But there there is if you notice the first three names have they're they're not really about God, even though God's mentioned, they're really about her position with Jacob. Right. And how she how she relates to him. Mm-hmm. But then when this time I will praise the Lord, it, there's there's almost this there's no mention of Jacob. Right. And, and it's not even, there's no mention of the relationship because I, we did kind of, I missed it in my notes. Rachel hadn't had any kids at this point. Right. But she had given Jacob her, her uh, maidservant, mm-hmm. Bilhah, uh, to, to be a, uh, the most translation. What's your translation say? That's a verse. Uh, this one says wife. This one says wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some say concubine, um, but. The Hebrew there literally is wife, and so she she had had two sons at this point. Who's that? Uh, Bilha. Uh, uh, it says she had Dan, and yes, uh, that's the only one. I'm, and Natali. Yeah, Dan and 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 Tally and Natali because the um, Dan means to judge, and Rachel says, you know, now God can judge between us. And then Naphtali is a contest or fateful contest. So hmm. Rachel is really seeing herself in as, as competition. As competition. And one of the interesting parts of this story is she says that uh, Bilha will have children on her knees. Yeah. Okay. Knees is a euphemism because there's no word for the external genitalia. And Hebrew. Right. So a lot of times when you say feet or legs or thighs in Hebrew, it's not really talking about any of those body parts. Sure. So it, one of the, the, the sayings that, um, let me get the right, ah, in Akkadian, a man who has no knees is impotent. Right. And so I thought that was kind of, okay, that's a fun little way to. To twist that, can you hear that in the Cialis commercials? Sure. So, but, but yeah, so there's this contest going on between the two of them, and, and Leah, it's like when she finally comes with this acceptance that that this is kind of how things are going to be, and she's able to kind of put things down and rest in God. Then she stops having children, uh, although she does have Dina, and no, that's not here yet. Sorry. Uh, jumping ahead here. After you read so much of this, it all starts to blend. Right. Together. Well, especially when you read and reread it like you do. 
Yeah. Well, and you have to, and then threads cross and recross and. Right. But. I have to say, this is the part of the story I'm least familiar with, <laughs> so I probably haven't been to as many uh, women's Bible studies. Uh, yeah. And that was the other point I was going to bring up. When, 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 not women's Bible studies, that's a topic we won't go down. Uh, but anyway, uh, when Laban married Leah off, he gave her Zilpah, a, a handmaid. Mm-hmm. And there's a good possibility that he may have given Zilpah to Leah because Leah is considered to have weak or tender eyes, is a better translation. And we don't know what her, you know, what her condition was. Was she, how, was she nearsighted? Was she blind? Did she have severe allergies? Right. We, we really don't know. And sometimes, uh, particularly in these cultures, if there's one kind of malformation or weakness or illness, there, there's this concern that a woman might not be able to actually have a child. Right. So there's speculation that Laban gave Leah the handmaid to, to kind of guarantee her place in Jacob's house. Mm-hmm. So there would be able to be children. And that because he gave Leah a handmaid, then Rachel was given one just kind of like, oh, well, I did it for your sister, so I better do it for you too. Sure. And so there's kind of this little twist of fate here where it's actually Rachel who needs the handmaid to have her children on her behalf. Hmm. Yeah. And my Bible closed. Okay. I lost my place for a moment. And... And evidently, we, we move forward from verse 13 to 14, like, pretty quickly. Right. Because Reuben's old enough that he's out working in the harvest. And not only is he old enough to work in the harvest, evidently he's able to identify an aphrodisiac when he sees one. Right. So I'm not thinking he's eight or nine years old. Yeah. I'm thinking he's a little older. Probably, probably has a little more interest in things other than agriculture. Don't set me up for jokes dad would tell like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but this is kind of a foreshadowing here because why in the world is this boy so interested in his mother's sex life? I don't know. <laughs> why are you asking me that question? Well, I'm not really asking. I mean, that's just a good <laughs> question. So he finds mandrakes. Okay. So we got several things going on here. Just settle in for a little bit. So, got several things going on here. Number one, mandrakes were considered to be an aphrodisiac um, because they were, they're shaped, the roots are shaped like people. Right. And there has been all of this folklore that has grown up in all sorts of cultures about the power of this plant. Yeah. Well, I mean, you even see it in the Harry Potter movies that they're pulling, that they're growing and in, in, uh, harvesting mandrakes. Yeah, I, I, they're stylized and they scream, um, but but that goes back to this time. There, there's this idea that they did scream mm-hmm. if you harvest them. Um, I believe it was the Celts or the Germans uh, who were also Celtic that believed uh, that in order to harvest a mandrake, you would tie a rope on a dog and then the other end to the plant, and then you would scare the dog away. And that's how you you would harvest. That way you could harvest them at a safe distance. Exactly. <laughs> because if you if you heard the scream, then you would die. Right. And uh, even in the Talmud, there's stories that Reuben was able to harvest these by actually tying a rope to a mule. And okay. uh, again, anything in the Talmud, while might be interesting, interesting <laughs> yeah, it, it, we can't count that as definitely uh, uh, correct. And the uh, the mandrakes are supposed to uh, be able to increase fertility. They're supposed to be able to not just do that, but they're also supposed to uh, increase, you know, affection. They're also a love potion. Right. And, and Leah evidently has that in mind because, you know, she says to um, Rachel goes to Leah and says, let me have your son's mandrakes. But Leah said, was it not enough for you to take away my husband that you would also take away my son's mandrakes? And this whole conversation is just whacked because... Like, what, well, what's he going to do with them? 
Well, yeah, because <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Well, he brought them to his mom because he know Reuben already has a clue that power and importance are tied up in childbearing. Right. And uh, Rachel, she says, I promise you shall lie. He shall lie with you. Talking about Jacob tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. Now, notice this. Starting in verse 14, uh, Reuben came on some mandrakes. He bought them to his mother, uh, Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. And she said to her, was it not enough for you to take away my husband that you would take away my son's mandrakes? Rachel, pro- Rachel replied, I promise he shall lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. And Jacob came home from the field that evening and Leah went out to meet him and he said, to, and said, and Leah went out to meet him and said, you are to sleep with me for I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. Notice the repetitive phrase. Mandrakes? Your son, my son, your son. Your son. Oh, yeah. These are, these are Reuben's mandrakes. And the, this is, they're really trying, the writer's trying to draw attention to the fact that this is Reuben's mandrakes. He's trying to draw attention to the fact Reuben is meddling where he has absolutely no business okay. meddling at all. And this is typical Reuben. It, as we go through this, Reuben is the, he is the typical firstborn. I can say that because yeah. I am the firstborn. Fair enough. And he is constantly sticking his nose into where it doesn't belong. And it's foreshadowing because in chapter 35, Reuben sleeps with Bilhah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. And I'm going to hit that now just because it's... I don't want to stop on it again since we're talking about Reuben and his weirdness. You know, we might as well just okay. wrap yeah. it all up. Go for it. Here's the whole story. I'm going to read the entire text. While Israel stayed in that land, Reuben went out and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel found out. So there's your... <laughs> There's your entire... That's the whole story, huh? That's, that's the whole story. Now, there's been a lot of debate about why this happened, because obviously that's not included in the text. Right. Um, the writers of the Talmud and the sages tried to really make this um, a, kind of a loving act, mm-hmm. because, yeah, I see your brain working. That There's... This happens right on the heels of Rachel's death. And so Rachel was the favorite. Mm-hmm. Bilhah is her um, maidservant. Right. And so by doing this, Reuben basically ejects Bilhah from Jacob's house. She can no longer be a part of his family and household. And so she can't become the favorite wife. Okay. So he's clearing the path to make sure that Leah is able to step into that favorite wife place instead of one of the handmaids. And especially not the handmaid of the favored wife. Precisely. Now, that is the most generous reading. And as we've talked about before, there's always an alternative. Sure. And the other thing is, this could be a political move on Reuben's part. Yeah, trying to usurp uh, power. Trying to do that, uh, there's, and he's doing it in two ways, because in ancient cultures, um, the idea that if a man can sleep with another man's wife, then he's basically saying, I can replace you in every other aspect too. Right. If I can replace you in bed, and this is why it's such a big deal that Absalom sleeps, sleeps with David's concubines. This is, um, you know, it's basically a challenge. Sure. And... The other thing he's doing is at this point in time, it was still customary that when a man died, the sons inherited all the wives and the concubines. Hmm. And so it's claiming his inheritance before the proper before time. The, which, which we all know, well, most of us, a lot of us do know about that. You know, it's kind of shows up later in the prodigal son story, wanting inheritance before someone passes, saying, I wish. You were dead. It's basically what it's saying. Yeah, and I think Reuben, I think Reuben's got some animosity towards his dad uh, because he is very much involved in this rivalry, but for his dad's attention, right? And of course, and this also plays out in Joseph's scenario, which we'll be going into. Mm-hmm. But 
it, it's Ruben just he's he's always just making these these horrible decisions. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy forbids this. Right. And says that, you know, no longer can a son sleep with his with his father's wife. Right. Not just his mother. This this is including the concubines and any other wives that are around. And it's to prevent this sort of thing from happening. So this is the reason why that question, why is Reuben so involved in his mom's sex life, is important. Well, you know, and it's, it's one of those, and the, the thing is, it's one of those things I don't think you should have to tell someone. But, you know, there, there's just some things that you find out people will do and you're like, you find out certain rules about stuff and you're like, there's a reason that rule is here. It's the Husqvarna Some, somebody, chainsaw. Yeah, somebody decided to make a bad decision. I, I, do what's the husk? Oh, when I saw. Oh, hard do not work, stop blade with hand or that... crotch. <laughs> Literally, that was what was on the tag, and so you know, somebody had to have done that in order for there to be a rule to tell people don't do that. We had, matter of fact, in the warehouse when we worked together at Sears, there was a sign: "Do not jump in dumpster when running" or something like that. Yeah, do not. Yeah, do not jump. Yeah, <laughs> because somebody. Yeah, did not jump in the trash compactor while it's running. Yeah, that was, yep. <laughs> I, the, the, the stuff people have to be told just baffles me, but that's a whole other topic for another well, day. But we got to think about in this, in this era where we're talking specifically within the, in the, within the Bible, mm-hmm. civilization is just being birthed. Right. It, it's really, we're just starting to get those rules of common decency and conduct and how do you treat fellow human beings. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, there, there's, there's plenty of things that people have had to be told that should be given. So, you know, don't kill other people for one. Um, but yeah, there's <laughs> plenty out there. Uh, and this whole scenario, if you take the time to read through it and the back and forths and, and who's Jacob sleeping with each night, uh, you know, Leah and Rachel basically writing out a schedule and hiring him out. You know, we call this prostitution today. It is a story of manipulation, and it's manipulation after manipulation, and it's really funny because it's Jacob being manipulated. Right. And Jacob, during this time in Laban's house, he, he is passive. He's extremely passive. He doesn't name any of his kids, hmm. not, not one of them. And for a father not to name any one of his 12 sons, that's odd. That is very odd. Excuse me. Now, um, yeah, I just and you say you say he was very passive during this time, but it's also he's kind of already kind of sil- signed the contract, so to speak. You know, he's he said, "Hey, you know, seven years of labor—that's that's what it's going to take." And he's, you know, so it's, I would imagine he's probably just keeping his head down, powering through, you know, till retirement, <laughs> like our dad did. <laughs> yeah, yeah just, just head down, power, you know, power through and and get it get it done and then after this time then you then you know just save work up you know well there there's some of that collect your goats um <laughs> you're ready to leave just the spotted ones um but th- there's some of that but also to remember Dina when Dina's raped it's not Jacob who says this was a horrible thing done to my wa- daughter it's Reuben and Simon who step up because Reuben's in the middle of everything right? and set off an entire war with Shechem. And so there, there's this element that where the Bible over and over again shows that fathers who are being passive towards their children are asking for trouble. Right. And Jacob's going to definitely reap what he sowed there. And so, so I'm looking, well, and it, it's. I was just looking what I had. To, uh, Dina's actually. I've got her highlighted here because uh, she's. You know, she she's the only girl that's named. Right. And we don't know if she's the only girl born, or the only one that's given a name, which which is common in you know this this uh, era in the text to not name any of the the women. Well, and and I think maybe one of the reasons why she is named is because she is at the center of the war at Shechem. 
Sure. And so she's going to play a huge part. And so the Bible just kind of drops her name in. And that way, whenever you hear it later, you know who she belongs to and why it's important. Right. And each of the child's names, even though the mothers named them in an attempt to kind of, um, oh, to describe their relationship to Jacob and where they feel like their position is in the family. They actually wind up having a dual meaning, and, and it's that becomes very obvious whenever we go through Jacob's blessings for his sons. Right. And Reuben, excuse me, Reuben is actually discounted, even though he's the oldest and would by all rights have the largest inheritance and be the one who, who steps up into the leadership position. Mm-hmm. Because of what he did with Bilhah, he is he's removed from that position. Right. And uh, actually Joseph is placed into that position and in Jacob's blessing. Right. And now, and because Joseph was the favorite son mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. And, you know, and, and if, and if no one's picked up on this yet, because <laughs> Joseph wasn't Joseph the youngest. Benjamin was Benjamin. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he was, but, uh, I know Joseph was pretty far down the list, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, Next to the last. Yeah, so it, there is, there's this reversal theme going on that the son of the second wife, the um, almost youngest son, um, then you also have Jacob himself being the younger son. Um, everything's backwards. Um, and you see that continue on to David. Mm-hmm. And you see that, you know, Going on to to Jesus' teachings, you know, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first, and and so you kind of that that pattern uh, just keeps recurring of just things that that were not what you expect. Yeah, and, and so sorry. I, no, I it, that gave me time to look at my notes because I'm actually going to skip over a section and I'll save it for next time. Okay, um, and it's not a section in the Bible, so we're we're good, but um, because I just don't want to get too far afield with the time we have left. And so Jacob has Laban's um, two daughters. He's got Laban's grandsons Mm -hmm. and he's working for Laban. And after Joseph is born, he pretty, Jacob says, okay, you know, I've been here long enough. I have fulfilled my, my duties and obligations to your father. I think it's time we should leave. Right. And, so he gets he talks with Leah and um and Rachel and he's like Let, let's go and um actually he goes to Laban first and and Laban is is you know why don't you stay <laughs> things are going so well <laughs> which is exactly the same language that Abimelech uses with Abraham oh yeah yeah and Abimelech and and Laban, their their vocabulary is the same. Hmm. They they have the same worldview. We, we want we're good people. We're righteous folks. You, you you we're good to you. You be good to us. We deserve your goodness because we have been so. Forget the fact that we have a little mix up with the daughters. Right. We can overlook that. And you know, seven years have gone past. I'd imagine you know you might have. At least some kind of either reconciliation or or not. I don't know. But well, fourteen years had passed by this point. Well, no, seven <laughs> years since the oh yeah since the mix up. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, seven years since the mix up, and uh, he tells Jacob, "Tell me what you want. You know what 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 am I going to pay you?" And and Jacob is starting to get a clue, mm-hmm. and he knows don't that don't ask for another daughter. <laughs> right. You don't know what you're going to get at this point. You could get a goat. <laughs> and so he Well, you got one named you and cow. Um so I was trying to I was hoping my Hebrew was good enough to come up with a word for goat right off the top of my head. But anyway. <laughs> um and so Jacob comes up with this with this idea and he says, "You know what? Don't pay me anything." I, I'm going to take care of your sheep. And as long as I'm taking care of your sheep, any of them that have speckled, streaked, or spotted offspring, I'll, I'll keep those. 
Right. Okay. So here's the clue because you're talking about how well Laban was doing to be able to pay Jacob. Right. Th this is a clue because evidently Laban was raising some high dollar sheep. Sure. Because they were solid. Yeah. And so he, Jacob um, says he'll do this. And Laban's kind of like, something's off here. Yeah, but... well, yeah, well, and yeah, if, if they're, they're solid colors, high dollar sheep, and then Jacob's just basically kind of appealing to the ego on this to be like, uh, you know, what? We'll take I, the cult. I'll take, you want, you'll have a, a great looking sheep uh, or goats. Was it goats? Uh, both. It, at, the, at this point, there's really not a huge distinction. They were okay. still running together, so the words can encompass both. Okay. So, you know, like linguistically, not, you know. Yeah. So, okay, cool. And so, Jacob comes up with this plot and this plan. And this has been very, I remember the story like used to intrigue me as a kid because Jacob takes these sticks and he peels them. Um, I'll just read what it says. Jacob got, then got the fresh shoots of poplar and of almond and plain and peeled white strips into them, laying bare white, uh, the white of the shoots. The rods that he peeled, he set up in front of the goats and the troughs and the water receptacles that the goats came to drink from. Their mating occurred when they came to drink. And since the goats mated by the rods, the goats brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted young. So weird. Okay, well, number one. It's a recipe for spotted goats. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Where did J Jacob study genetics? Uh, this is... <laughs> This has caused a lot of problems because this is not the correct way. It's technically not wrong, but it's not. It's not even, it's not even wrong. It's so far <laughs> off of. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but it's still sneaky and underhanded and very manipulative, which is what this whole account is about. It's very manipulative. And so there's this, this question of how should we view this? And not just the moral and ethical side of things, how do we view the fact that Jacob is using something known as sympathetic magic? Because. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that's, that is a good question. Now, the other question is, you know, did he set something up and then did he like sneak in? Because, you know, if, did he like sneak in some spotted goats into the into the breed stock? Did he is it possible he purchased some from a traveler or and he's like, you know, and, and this is like the story that's handed down when when the you know the the story that he told Laban. Like I Well <laughs> actually what's interesting, the Bible answers kind of some of your questions because he moved his flocks three days away from Laban. Okay. So he had his stuff separate. Like as soon as they hit the ground. He he took them to his, or when they were ready to be weaned. Right. He he took them the to his own. Sheep. The weaning sheep. I said the waning sheep. The sorry. Waning, waning. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. When they were ready to be weaned. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he <laughs> they over. yeah. So he he actually removed his flock from Laban's, and he he made sure uh, it says in uh, thirty forty one that he even made sure that when the sturdier animals, the, the more healthy and robust ones were mating, that's when he would put the rods out. When the weaker, lesser quality animals were mating, he took the rods away. Hmm. So there was evidently this worked to some degree. And the, the, the question of, is this right? That's been this the question that has bothered so many people. Now, did the male goat or female goat have to look? Did it have to be both? That doesn't get that specific. <laughs> Is he over here going, hey, look over here. Yeah. <laughs> kind of occupied. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. Well, and, and the, the, there's, you know, how does this work? Um, like I said, this, this was sympathetic magic. Um, Anybody who's read The Golden Bough by James Frazier. Um, because who hasn't? You haven't? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, he breaks down sympathetic magic into two, two categories. There is like produces like or the law of similarity. Okay. 
The second is the law of contagion, that basically you can come in contact with something. And even whenever it's moved away, then the magic that it possessed would um, would be sufficient to to cause an effect. Uh, probably the most famous example of sympathetic magic in the Bible is the bronze serpent. Right. And that's in what numbers? I've got the Jesus talking about it in John. Yeah, I I don't remember which verse, but everyone's been everyone's been bitten by snakes. So you look snakes, at this. snakes all around, and then uh, so then Moses is to fashion a bronze snake and hold it up, and anyone who looks at it is cured from their snake bite. Exactly, and so the and then Jesus actually refers back to this in John three and says, just as the the serpent was lifted up in the desert. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. Right. And so it's like curing like or like producing like. Um, and actually, this is the basis for the secret. Um, it is this like producing like that if you you think positive things and good things will come to you. And, yeah. And so I had a manager who was really into that. And I thought that was really interesting because uh, other than like he hardly ever talked about any kind of spiritual stuff. But he was, he he was talking about the secret, and he's like, you know, it's the magnetic, it's the it's magnetism, basically. He goes, the you know, magnetism is the strongest force in the universe. Something actually, it's uh, I believe it's a uh, ionic bonds, but uh, I can't remember. It's one of the one of the subatomic uh, bonds, but uh, gravity is the farthest reaching. Uh, or. No, it, yeah, it was gravity is what he said, not magnetism. You know, gravity is the, I'm like, well, gravity is the farthest reaching that we know of, but that's a whole nother technical, <laughs> you know, I, I love it. Yeah, sorry, that's, yeah. that's a whole nother thing. Well, it, it, the, you know, and I think most Christians who, if you've been listening to, you know, good teaching, they've probably told you that, that the secret is um, akin to witchcraft and that you shouldn't do it and that there's a prohibition against, because it is very new agey. I've read the book, I've watched the video, and it, it, it's a lot of new age thought in there and Deuteronomy. And we do have prohibitions against magic. We have prohibitions against um, any kind of witchcraft. And so the fact that Jacob is engaging in this is causing problems uh, for a lot of commentators, even Jewish commentators. Mm. Now we know later on Jacob will, um, you know, he's going to tell his wife that he had a dream. And that God told him to do this. Right. But there's a question there because did God really tell him to do it? Right. Or is he just trying to justify to his wives about why he's getting ready to, to one-up their dad? Or, or, is, or is Jacob actually what we've known him to be? A liar. Uh, yeah, a <laughs> liar a and a trickster. Yeah. Because because there is there is there there is an interpretation of his name that is cheater, mm-hmm. um, and also liar in some I've seen some places where it's defined as liar, but it's he, but that's uh, there's a reason you earn that name. He's a morally ambiguous person, at best. Well, and and what are we learning here necessarily? Again, are we talking about uh, righteousness and salvation? Again, you know you don't earn that through works, but. God did make a promise, and is this an example of God fulfilling and maintaining a promise in spite of the fact that he is a shady trickster who practices, uh, you know, effectively occult practices? Oh, oh, and that's precisely what it is. And that's what uh, has made this story so controversial, and the, the fact that he, he never cites God as the source when he first does it. Right. Well, and it goes back to, you know, we, we defy, we, we tend to deify our, our characters. And if we're looking, it's so funny because, oh, well, look at what this person did. No, 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 no. Look what God did in spite of them. And it's that redemptive quality. It's the God keeping his promise. And when we get our focus, we start reading the book and assume that the book and the story, we assume the story is about Jacob. Mm-hmm. And it's not. No, it, it, it isn't. And I think that's, that is the key because. God had promised to do all these great things for Jacob, and just like everybody else in the story has been manipulating, Laban, the wives, the only people who aren't manipulating are uh, Bilhah and Zilpha. Uh, um, Zilpha. Zilpha, thank you. Th- those are the only two who are not busy trying to manipulate. Even his sons are busy manipulating. Right. 
And so here's Jacob who he, like you said, he's being Jacob. And the good news about this is if you are, have a past, if you, if you fail to, to act morally and justly and ethically, God is still willing to honor the promises he's made in the Bible to you. Right. And I think that's something that we need to, to cling on to. So I, I love Jacob's story because it's not nice and pretty and clean cut. Right. And, and, and then like, like I said, and then, you know, if we read it then, then we can also take that and apply it to our own lives mm-hmm. where we mess up and go, well, it's, it's not about me anyway. And, and that theme again is, that theme also is, is everywhere in the Bible as well. Uh, you know, uh, we see uh, Samuel talking to God about uh, Israel wanting a king and God mm-hmm. says, well, they haven't rejected you. They're rejecting me. Like this, <laughs> the, the, the book is called Samuel. But it's, <laughs> but it's not about you. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's a, a great recurring theme that happens over and over. And again, um, and, and that trickles down even to our, you know, our views on salvation and what that means. You know, we think, you know, salvation is all about not going to hell. That's a fantastic bonus. <laughs> um, but to, to be a follower is, again, it's about advancing the kingdom it's about being a part of of god's story it's not about god fixing our story well jacob's a great example of why the old axiom god helps those who helps themselves is not true and that it is about reliance on god because yeah jacob went back with all of all this wealth that he acquired but he went back in fear and trembling and and was ready to just hand it all over to Esau. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that's God had to to move on his behalf and and God actually changes him between leaving Laban's house and getting to Esau, but that's yeah. a whole other we don't have time to go in that. And that's going to be really cool when we get to that. I love. That that's that's the part of the story I'm a little more familiar with than this one because I've gone over it mm-hmm. more and and it and and there's also this this part is one of those. This is one of those super. And this is actually where you and I kind of differ. I'm pretty good at seeing these bigger themes, and and you're you're right in the details and the linguistics, and and so that's a uh, that's why this story to me it's, it's like you have to be in those details to really yeah, I have think it pop it's, out. Yeah, I don't think it's inter- It's not an interesting story to me without those details because otherwise it really kind of reads like a soap opera. Yeah, yeah. And then a man who has goats stare at things instead of men who stare at goats. <laughs> <get ready. laughs> no, I'm picturing we'll George, notes. <laughs> George Clooney as <is laughs> Jacob. <laughs> was, was John Malkovich in that? You know, I don't remember. Uh, I have to look. <laughs> that movie was so funny. Um, anyway, that's, that's a whole other topic for another day. Uh, so I think that's a good place to end. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> we'll leave so, you there laughing we'll leave, at goats. <laughs> yeah, men who stare at goats. Um, funny movie. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to make you carry so much of the weight on that one, but I was just the story's not interesting. I, I, it's it's just not unless you grab the details out like you mm-hmm. do, and then you know I'm I'm interested in, in learning, but I just I really I didn't have a, a whole lot to contribute to. This I one. thought we were going to sail kind of right past it, and then I got got into it. And there's even we aren't actually done with the story. This is just a good place to put a semicolon until yeah, next yeah, week. Yeah, just put a put a pin in it. So, um, yeah. So everyone out there in internet land, thank you for joining us, and uh, we hope you come back next week. If you like what you heard, subscribe, share, um, whatever else, whatever else you can do, um or whatever else you feel like doing, be part of the conversation. Let us know if you have more questions. If we pick up a topic and don't take it far enough, Again, let us know. Yeah, let us know on that. Um, but yeah, and you can do that by reaching out to us at ravencreeksc.com, which can get you to our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, which you can also go there just directly by uh, ravencreeksc, uh, adding that to the end of your Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook Um Come see us if you really, really like what you heard and would like to see more episodes. Um, head over to patreon.com slash ravencreeksc and uh, we will have some bonus material up there very soon. 
And we wanted to say thank you to our Patreon donors. Mm-hmm. Um, very much appreciated. Currently, we have two. Mm-hmm. So uh, we love it. Uh, Katrina and Naomi, thank you very much. And we are, uh, we're glad you're, you're on board with this. And anyway, uh, everyone else, thank you for being here. Uh, we would love to have you on Patreon, but if not, share, share, share. Uh, just help us get the word out. Other than that, I think we're wrapped up for the week, right? Well, for today. We got three more episodes this week. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, for their week. For y'all week. Yeah. Y- 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 week. Yeah. Yar? Yeah. I'm a pirate. Okay. I'm a pirate. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> everyone have a great week. Bye. You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Raven Creek SC. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.